Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. The two major political parties of our great country would have you believe that there are only two choices when voting for the President of the United States of America. One, who is a 74-year-old, orange-faced, ex-reality TV personality who thinks he has done more for the world than Jesus, Gandhi, and Abraham Lincoln combined. Then the 78-year-old creepy kid-toucher who wants his victims to call him Uncle Joe. Both of these candidates are not even remotely equipped for the amount of fuckery that goes on in Washington. We need a leader who isn't afraid to tackle the conspiracies that run rampant through society. It's time for a leader who isn't afraid to eat the ghost pepper of controversy. One who isn't afraid to accept the hot chip challenge of foreign policy. That candidate is Screaming Chewy. The most conspiracy theory talking, ghost pepper eating, hot chip challenge cake fuckery fixing son of a bitch that's ever stood for anything. Screaming Chewy has a plan for the economy. Hey, get a job, yo. Screaming Chewy has a plan for the national debt. I don't have any money. Fuck off. So, if you want a leader who can't possibly be worse than the ones we have, vote for Screaming Chewy in November. This is Screaming Chewy, and I approve this message. Paid for by Let's Not Have a Bunch of Old Farts Telling Us What the Fuck to Do Anymore Foundation and GIG Industries. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. everyone welcome back to another exciting episode of screaming chewy show and hey first things first happy halloween y'all yeah hope you had fun if you already went and uh got some great candy and uh, i'm pretty sure you're gonna eat all the chocolates first right and steal your kids candy get all the good ones first and if you're about to go Please be safe, but uh, have fun. And um, I know you're expecting a Halloween episode, but I did that last year. <laughs> Talked a little bit about the... It was episode 18, by the way, if you're curious. Talked a little bit about the history of Halloween and some scary monsters, some real fucked up people out there. But anywho, this episode, we're continuing the history of violence. Yes, are you ready? Alright. Like a like like last last time, right? The part one of this, right? Which was um <clears throat> a history of violence part one. 
well, obviously, this is a history of violence part two. So get ready for some more fucked up shit. But I'm pretty sure you're already prepared for that. So, so here's some more torture and execution methods. Very brutal that humanity has used throughout history. The continuation of it, all right? So since the caveman days the invention of the wheel right it's been very um you know effective right it's helped to move uh technology along a long ways right transportation and just a whole bunch of shit just to help expand humanity but guess what what if they use the wheel to torture and kill people as well right how the fuck would they do that though well, the wheel was one of the key inventions in human history, like I mentioned, but it proved equally effective for torturing people as for locomotion. Yeah, its use in torture is credited to the Roman Emperor Commodus, who would bind a wheel horizontally or vertically to a victim's body, then have someone hammer it with a very heavy mallet breaking their bones the other chief method of tying someone to the rim of a heavy wheel and rolling rolling it along to break the bones and rapture the internal organs was most famously used to torture saint catherine after whom the spinning firework was named yeah though the europeans eventually stopped killing christians they were unwilling to give up such, <laughs> yeah, such a fun pastime. Because, you know, back then they didn't have television. So, you know, watching people get murdered was fun. And started to execute or torture others on the wheel. The chief modification of the torture in the medieval period was to increase the public spectacle of the event. Then, criminals were tied to the spokes of the wheel, which was raised on a scaffold to allow spectators the best possible view as an executioner methodically broke every limb with an iron bar. The coupe de graisse coming with a blow to the head or heart, leaving a vile, pulpy mess. Yeah, like I said, Starting this off um, pretty fucked up. And just like the last time, it's going to get worse. Like this one. This method, you're in a world of shit, alright? It's called Scaphismus, also known as the boats. Was an ancient Persian technique of execution that involved a slow, painful, and humiliating death. The 12th century Byzantine chronicler... Jonas Zonaras describes the execution doled out to the soldier Mithridates for murdering King Cyrus by the latter's mother in 401 BC. Two bolts are joined together, one on top of the other, with holes cut in them in such a way that the victim's hands, head, and feet are only left outside. Within these bolts, the man to be punished is placed lying on his back and the bolts then nailed together with bolts. Next, they pour a mixture of milk and honey. Yes, 
the drink of the gods into the wretched man's mouth till he is filled to the point of nausea, smearing his face, feet, and arms with the same mixture, and so leave him exposed to the sun. Flies, wasps, and bees attracted by the sweetness, miserable torment, and sting the wretched man. Yeah. Moreover, his belly, distended as it is with milk and honey, throws off liquid excrements. Yeah, they breed in that shit. Swarms of worms, thus the victim lying in the boats, his flesh rotting away and his own filth and devoured by worms, dies in a lingering and horrible death. Yeah, so you're nailed in between two boats, gets smeared with honey and milk, and the bugs eat you alive. What the fuck? Who thinks of this shit, yo? I mean, yeah. I don't know if that one's as bad as this one, though. The Heretic's Fork. The Spanish Inquisition. Oh, yeah, that's mentioned a lot in these things, right? <laughs> Lest we forget, though, they were the good guys. After all, they were merely weeding out evil for the good of both the wrongdoers and the general public. They only executed people to ensure that they had a spell of penance in the hope of improving their lot in the next life. The victims mu must have been jolly grateful. Anyways, in order to ensure that the penance was enough to appease God and that true confessions were extracted, the Inquisition re resorted to some particularly cruel and devious methods of torture. One example was the Heretic's Fork. That sounds like a badass metal band if you ask me. Ah. The Heretic's Fork was a double-ended iron implement with two prongs at each end. It was strapped to the victim's neck while they were kneeling with one end pushing into their chest, the other into their fleshy area around the chin. Like right under your chin, that neck part, double chin part. Anywho, the ends were sharp, so forced the head into an upward pose and preclude talking. Falling asleep would cause the head and chest to be penetrated by the fork and thus prove lethal but this was all very kind you see this was a devotional pose which ensured victims could keep quiet and pray to god thanks inquisition <laughs> oh, this next one do you have a wife that's constantly nagging well this might help <laughs> Whilst perhaps the least physically painful of all the items on this list, the Scold's Bridle, or Branks, provided a mixture of misogyny, physical torment, and public humiliation. The Scold's Bridle was an iron framework which was placed over the female victim's head, forcing a piece of iron into the mouth to prevent the tongue from moving and thus preventing the spread of gossip. Yeah, the fuck, right? Husbands being nagged or spells being cast, 
the bridal would have to be worn in public to humiliate the victim and some were elaborate affairs and ridiculous ears and appendages to increase this effect. Being made of iron, the skull's bridle weighed a lot and would cause great discomfort to the wearer. Some surviving examples were also eminently more cruel than those described above. The iron appendage shoved under the tongue could be modified to ensure horrific injuries by the addition of spikes or simply being crudely sharpened. In these examples, the punished woman could not escape the tongue being severed or the mouth being lacerated, leading to lethal infections or permanent hindrance to speech. Injuries aside, the shame of being thus punished in the small, close-knit communities of the past would be permanent. So this one, the torture rack. Pretty sure you're pretty familiar with it. Um, although primarily a method of extracting information, the torture rack could also be a method of execution, whether by design or miscalculation. Quite simply, the torture rack was a wooden frame containing a series of rollers around which ropes were tied. The victim was placed on the rack. Their limbs were spread out and tied with the ropes, which could, could then be tightened by the means of a lever. The effect was to stretch the body beyond its natural limitations, dislocating the limbs and even severing them entirely. Death, death came from loss of blood or the overstretching and rupturing of internal organs. Invented by the Romans, the torture rack was wheeled out throughout the medieval and early modern periods in Europe. Pretty much whenever heresy or conspiracy was afoot, the rack was thus a widely known and widely feared instrument for centuries. In the 16th century, the Baron Scanaw of Bohemia was accused of heresy and sentenced to be tortured on the rack to extract a confession. And the names of his co-conspirators his dread was such that he cut his own tongue to avoid it. Cruelly, the court simply changed his sentence to being executed on the torture rack. Nice try, Baron. So, in uh, last time, in part one of History of Violence, I mentioned filleting, which would they basically skin you alive, right, with a very sharp blade or shells, like seashells. Um, but here's a, a different version of it. Neither of them are pretty. Like the wheel, the invention of pincers gave the human race an important technological advancement. They ensured that red-hot metals could be handled and thus iron could be manipulated to make items such as swords, buckles, and eventually cannon. Their ability to withstand incredible heat, however, meant that they provided a cruel and extremely painful method of torture. With brutal simplicity, torturers could heat the pincers up to high temperatures until they glowed red before pinching bits off of victims' flesh and tearing them off. 
standard blacksmith's pincers were modified for this task by being sharpened or spiked. Yeah, they sharpen pincers, <laughs> heat them up glowing red, and rip your flesh off. Yeah. Red hot pincers also offered the most painful way of castrating a criminal. Although most commonly used to extract confessions or information, the injuries resulting from the flesh being torn could be led to deadly infection or severe or, or severed arteries. Sometimes the wounds would be filled with boiling liquids to increase the torment. <laughs> yeah. Often pincer torture was incorporated into an elaborate execution. Michael Foucault memory memorably discusses the execution of Robert Francois Damiens, who failed assassination of Louis XV, saw his flesh torn off in certain places with red hot pincers. The wounds filled with molten lead and sulfur, and his body finally torn apart by horses. What a way to go. Now, if you thought that one was pretty bad, I hope you don't have a fear of rats. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, rats, you know, they'll pretty much eat anything alive or dead. And uh, this one, yeah, yeah. Many are the semi-legendary tales of people partially eaten by rats after a fall or non-lethal heart attack. But this tendency was once seen as a useful to the state in many countries, rather than annoying. At the Tower of London in Elizabethan times were, was a cell dubbed the Dungeon of Rats. Located below the waterline of the River Thames, at high tide, the local rats would head into the cell to escape the rising water and take advantage of the free meal afforded by the injured and shackled prisoners. Yeah. Where the English were content to look the other way and let the rats go about their horrible business. During the Dutch revolt against Spain in the 17th century, the descendant Dutch leader Diederik Sanoi did not want to leave anything to chance. He would bind his prisoners to a table, place a rat in a cage on top of them, and heat it up. The rat would desperately attempt to escape the searing heat by burrowing downwards through the victim's chest. In this way, Sanoi extracted crucial information about Spanish movements and presumably learned a lot about rodent biology. <laughs> and uh, my apologies if you hear dogs barking like crazy in the background. It is Halloween, yo, and they are not used to seeing a lot of people coming around, so they're going fucking nuts. Here's another one that sounds like a brutal death metal song. Death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Known in China as Ling Chi. 
death by a thousand cuts was practiced well into the 20th century in the country. In this form of execution, a victim was tied to a cross on a table, which also contained a basket of razor-sharp knives, each with a different part of the anatomy written upon it, which was covered with a cloth. The executioner would slip his hand into the basket and draw a knife at random. <laughs> I guess they made it fun, right? Like a diabolical raffle. He would he would read the knife's inscription and then slice a designated part of the body before randomly selecting another blade. The victim's death could technically be instant for amongst the knives a thousand is obviously an exaggeration, was one instructing the executioner to stab the victim fatally through the heart. The executioner would have to keep the victim alive for as long as possible, which required near medical knowledge of the limits of the human body. This also allowed an opportunity for bribes to be taken from friends and family to go straight for the heart. One modification of the execution was for amputations to be carried out rather than simple cuts, albeit in a prescribed order with a single knife. Yeah. But you know, all these torture methods, right? It's all back when humans were very barbaric and uncivilized, you know? We've grown so much and now we're so civilized and modern. <laughs> That was sarcasm, by the way. <clears throat> Here's the last one. Yeah, sorry, guys. End of the road. But let me give you a modern one. Something we still use today. Waterboarding. Yeah. Yup. Waterboarding, believe it or not, is something that's still used today to extract information. In fact, our government does it all the fucking time. Somebody right now is being waterboarded at, by our own government as we speak. It's a form of water torture. Yeah, water torture is an ancient practice which aims to threaten the victim with drowning to extract information. Waterboarding is a slight modification of the technique and that it intends only to stimulate the terrifying experience of drowning rather than actually drowning the victim. In waterboarding, all that requires is a strip of cloth, a bucket of water, and a victim, and a badge of authority. The cloth is laying over the victim's face, who is inclined at an angle of 10 to 20 degrees. Water is then poured over their face to fill the mouth and nostrils, causing such distress that information is usually given up. In some cases, the victim is killed, but other severe injuries can include brain damage from oxygen deprivation, damage to the lungs, and broken limbs from struggling against restraints. The long-term psychological impact is utterly appalling, too. Despite this, during the War on Terror, the U.S. government repeatedly stated that it did not see waterboarding as a form of torture. Yeah, right, government. We believe that. 
Anywho, waterboarding is used in military training and some people have described their experiences. Chris Jekyll, a former military pilot, underwent waterboarding as a part of his training. Aged just 19, it felt like you were choking to death on water and couldn't stop it from being that way. He remembers, I was throwing people off me because it was so overwhelming. It was like, I can't breathe. Water's going up my nose. My throat was basically filled with water. And that's despite Jaco knowing that he wouldn't actually be drowned by his instructors. Yeah. So haven't we progressed so much as a species? This, this just proves it, right? I mean, so there you go, everyone. A history of violence part two but hey if you have any ideas or any other methods of torture and execution which i did not mention go ahead and shoot me a message leave it on anchor shoot me an email at screamingchewy at gmail.com don't be shy or just you know send me a message on facebook um so yeah you have a very happy halloween and uh see you next week peace I might get hungry later, baby. Hold this hot dog for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it feels like when you're broke down. Oh, yeah. See, this is why when I transport weed, I only carry one gram on me, but I carry it in like an 800 pound safe. (laughs) We are Happy Hour News Team. Follow us. We love Florida, man. They say they go damaged. If you don't know where you're at, oh, I know where I'm at. Oh, but you just said, where am I? Well, I was trying to, like, sit myself. <laughs> no, I didn't even think about it. Where Fuck, there's a microphone. <laughs> I think you've had too much to drink, buddy. We are happy our news team. We are happy our news You can't be fixed. All the women in the neighborhood, they say you're damaged. What the fuck are you talking about?
talking about? We are Happy Hour News Team. Follow us. Okay, so let's uh, let's get back around to to our regular regularly scheduled bullshit. <laughs> Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. Yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a uh, publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy. You'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816-605-4561. Or if you would like to email him, it's uh, all one word, starts with a capital S. And it's stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. So again, starts with a capital S. And then it's T-E-V-E-S-J-N-E-T-W-O-R-K at gmail.com. Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash screamingchewygmail.com. Any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer. If not, that's cool. I'm just happy you're tuning in. And hey, Screaming Chewy Show merch. Yeah, that's right. At teespring.com. Just Google teespring, T-E-E spring, Screaming Chewy Show. Just Google that. It'll take you right there. And uh, yeah, you could buy hoodies, t-shirts, socks, masks, you know, if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase, just let me know and I'll add it on. And uh, yeah, you'll be rocking, styling, social media. Don't forget to follow me on there on Facebook, Screaming Chewy Show. I like to share memes, just make up stupid shit, share my episodes on there and just whatever. Um, Check out my YouTube for video versions of my podcast episodes also in between episodes i like to add me streaming yeah watch me get scared playing a creepy game or die playing PUBG or some shit you know what i mean and uh, yeah just check out my youtube and uh twitter it's at screaming chewy yeah not screaming chewy show i should change it to that but for now it's just screaming chewy and uh thanks again for tuning in see you next week peace